This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to part one of the Weekend Mailbag. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined as always by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. What's going on, Chris? Uh, not much. How's it going, Scott? So far, so good. Just waiting to see how this general manager chase shakes out. And I believe we are at the point where everybody kind of thinks this is headed in one direction, but anything could happen. Yeah, absolutely. Every everything that I've been told really since we you know, we've heard Joe Douglas's name mentioned before McCagnan even got fired, when people were still laughing at the possibility of McCagnan getting fired. Joe Douglas's name was getting thrown around then and when he actually got fired most of the people I was talking to were saying it's going to be Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas is going to accept the job, and it's basically just a done deal. Then there was a, a you know the the other candidates' names got announced. I heard some people telling me that these people you know it's not just uh, get somebody in here, other people in here type of thing, but these guys are actual candidates. But everybody, every single person I've talked to agrees that Joe Douglas is far and away the favorite um and there's a little bit of uh a disagreement between a couple of people there's a couple of people saying that it's not a hundred percent lock that everybody else is saying that it's his job if he wants it and he wants it the only thing that can mess this up is the meeting and you know possibly somebody says something that doesn't jive and makes it not work out or they can't agree on financial terms, but I would be sh- I would be shocked if we end up hearing that Joe Douglas walked away from the job because they didn't give him enough money. That that would be shocking after everything that they've gone through, all this with their eyes clearly on Douglas, and they're gonna not get him because of you know five hundred thousand a year or something. That would be absolutely shocking to me. Even, and I know the Jets' history there, but that would absolutely shock me. Where do we stand on the interviews? Douglas is this weekend. Who already interviewed and who's interviewing later on? Yeah, we have uh, Bontnose later on and then uh, Champ Kelly. Um, Fitterer already, uh, he completed his interview today. So there you go. Fitterer is out of the way and now comes down to the other three guys with Douglas being the heavy favorite going in. I will only caution you by saying this. Do not think that it's a 100% lock, even if it looks like there's a very strong chance, and I do believe there is a very strong chance. Anything can happen. We've seen it before. I only have two words to say, Anthony Barr. So let's just wait and see how this plays out, and we'll monitor the situation. But remember, if you want to hear all about Joe Douglas, I spoke with Vince Quinn from WIP Radio in Philadelphia and the Go Birds podcast. If you want to hear all about Champ Kelly, I spoke with Zach Pearson of the Bear Report, so that's up. And also, I spoke to Arif Hassan from The Athletic in Minnesota. Even though George Payton is not going to be the general manager here because he turned the Jets down again, that's the third time he turned them down. So if you're curious to hear why the Jets were so interested in him so many times, and I think you should be, you should go ahead and listen to that episode as well. So, Chris, with that, let's dive right into the mailbag, and we'll start with this. Artie Marinoni asks, okay, I have a lot of questions, and I want short, rapid-fire responses. Okay, Artie, here you go. Okay. First question, Donald over under 30 touchdowns total. Man, it's a tough one because I'd like to say 30 total, but you're making me go over under. I'll live dangerously. I'll say over. 
Le'Veon Bell, over under 1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns. I am going to say over 1,500 yards, less than 10 touchdowns. Defense, over under 35 sacks. I'm going to say under. Secondary, over under 5 interceptions. Ooh, that's an interesting one. (sighs) I'm going to say over just by luck. There's going to be a couple of interceptions that are just going to happen. It seems like that's the way it goes every year. Potato, pasta, or regular salad? Regular salad for me. Ketchup or mustard on your hot dog? I'm going to get a lot of grief from people for this, but ketchup. (laughs) He also adds Manish is clearly a ketchup guy. Perfect barbecue complete meal. Okay. This is something I spoke about with Jeff Lloyd on Twitter, but I'm going to throw it out here too. As far as meats, here's what I want. Pulled chicken, pulled pork, baby back ribs, smoked turkey, smoked ham, and sliced brisket. That's what I want for my six meat combo. I want some collard greens, and then I would also like some baked beans. So I want a little bit of everything. I like variety in my barbecue plate. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Chris, let's go through this one by one because I can't possibly expect you to remember all of those rapid-fire questions. Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to have to run that back for me. <laughs> Darnold, over under 30 touchdowns. I'm going to go under. Bell, over under 1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns. Over. For both? Yeah, for both. We're, and we're, That's 1,500 total yards, right? Yes. Yes, then yes, I'm going over. Defense, over under 35 sacks. Under. Secondary over under five interceptions. It better be over. If it's if it's not over, then that, that's a giant problem. Potato pasta or regular salad? Pasta. Ooh, ketchup or mustard on your hot dog? Yeah, I'm a ketchup guy. I, I do not like mustard. Honey mustard is the only acceptable mustard for me. I like honey mustard on ham, like it's a little glazing there. Yeah. But I don't like mustard on my hot dog. So I'm with you on that one. Do you believe that Manish is a ketchup guy as well? Uh, you know, I, I can't say for sure. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen him eat something. But I, I don't have this uh, predisposition of hate towards ketchup. So I'm going to say yes, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I love ketchup on my burgers, my hot dogs, and my fries. So you know, And my Taylor ham, Merce bacon, egg, and cheeses. There you go. I also like my ketchup on sweet potatoes. So a little bit of everything. It's a, Interesting. Yeah, it's a condiment that you can use in a lot of different ways. And the last question, your perfect barbecue complete meal. Okay, it's got to be ribs. 
It's got to be pulled pork. Uh, it's got to be brisket. And then, like, so I, I you got to throw in, uh, you know, some just the regular basic barbecue with just a sausage, uh, spicy sausage or and mac and cheese or something. That's that's about it. I don't need any of the vegetables. I'm I'm not the healthiest person, so give give me all the deliciousness. Forgot about sausage and steak. What's the matter with me? Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, I'm not getting myself in a little trouble here. I, I, I steak is good. I think steak is wildly overrated, though. Steak is good, but I never, I never get excited for steak. Like, there's so much better stuff out there than steak to me. And that'll wrap things up for the mailbag this week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I know it's not. It's a very unpopular opinion. Eh, it's steaks, the steak, steaks. Next question comes in from M. Talon. He says, which podcast do you guys listen to besides Play Like a Jet? Well, obviously, we both listen to Joe Caparoso's Turn on the Jets podcast. Duh. <laughs> I also like a wide variety of podcasts. It kind of depends on what I'm in the mood for. I like Joe Rogan, but I can only listen when there's a guest on that I really want to hear because the shows are so long. I like a lot of wrestling podcasts. I'm a big fan of my friend Sean Reedy's podcast, Booking Memphis with the great Jerry Jarrett, the legendary promoter from Memphis Wrestling, because they tell stories from the past, and I love classic wrestling. I love Bruce Pritchard's podcast because he also does a great job of telling stories from a first-hand vantage point because he was Vince McMahon's right-hand man for a long time. The Around the NFL podcast with Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal, Dan Hansis, and Mark Sessler, also a great podcast. I'm sure there's a ton that I'm not thinking of right now that I really like. Oh, Adam Carolla's podcast is terrific. There's a bunch of other comedy ones. Bill Burr's is really good. Nick DiPaolo. There's a ton of stand-up comedians that I really like. This is one thing that your boy Alan Schechter and I always bond over because we're both into stand-up comedy a lot. So those are just a few off the top of my head. I'm sure there's a bunch that I'm not even thinking of. Yeah, for me, I don't listen to a lot of sports content. I don't really listen to a lot of sports radio. One thing I do listen to is the Lebitard show. It's more radio, but I listen to it in podcast form, and I love it because it's not really sports. It's it's like a spoof of sports show. And then I listen to Mina Kimes' podcast, uh, who I just I love listening to her break stuff down and everything about it. So those are really the only sports ones I listen to. I listen to a whole bunch of podcasts, though, because I listen, I listen to them in the car. I listen to them when I'm going to sleep at night. Um, I listen to a lot of comedy stuff. Uh, you know, Neil Brennan uh, came out with a new one, How Neil Feel. I used to listen to his old one with uh, Moshe Castro from uh, Champs. I listen to this other one. Uh, it's called, like, I think it's called A Good One. It's some comedian I've never heard of, but he talks to random comedians every week and talks to them about, like, a specific joke from their set. And then they break it down and run all the way through it and stuff like that. And then I listen to like these um, stuff they don't want you to know, stuff to blow your mind, all these different random stuff you should know podcasts. I, I listen to a lot of different co- podcasts, mostly mostly comedy related. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
Next question comes in from that guy Neil. He says the Samdahl hype train is in full swing. Do you think that there's a real chance that this guy could have the type of breakout season that we saw from Carson Wentz a couple of years ago that ended up helping to land the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl? So I don't think that Darnold and the Jets are going to go to the Super Bowl, though I suppose anything's possible. I do absolutely think that Darnold has the potential for a breakout season, especially if he continues to progress on the things that he had trouble with during his rookie year and throughout his time at USC, which he really did start to build on the last couple games of the season. I think there's a real chance that he could be a Pro Bowl quarterback this year. I'm not entirely sure what his numbers are going to look like, but I think you're going to see a lot of dazzling plays. And I'll say this much. I think that the Jets are going to be competitive in almost every game this year, and a lot of it is going to be because of Sam Darnold. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm going to say this right now. I'm going to repeat this throughout the entire offseason because I'm going to be at the front of that train, that hype train that he talked about. I'm going to be the one steering that and making sure it's going full steam. There's really nothing I can do about it. I can try, I'm going to try to dial it back, but I'm going to sit there and I'm going to watch him operate this offense in practice. And he, he's going to continue to impress me and I'm going to get caught up in it and I'm going to tweet it out and it's just going to get everybody horning on the timeline again. And it's going to happen all summer long. And I'm going to, I'm saying this now to say that none of that is actually necessarily going to mean anything once the season rolls around. So I'm going to be guilty of driving that hype train, but I'm, I'm going to constantly try to sprinkle in little reminders that training camp is one thing. It'll be a whole other season at, during the season. But I do expect him to have a really huge year uh, as far as not numbers-wise and definitely not Super Bowl-wise. But I think that people are going to watch him and they're going to be sold that this guy is going to become a full-blown franchise quarterback, you know, a one of the better to elite quarterbacks in this league. Just every, there's, you spend as much time watching him as I have and around him like that, it's just I don't know how anyone can't buy in fully to him at this point. The way he carries himself, the way he goes about his work, the, the way he just everything seems smoother. He has a grasp of everything, what he's supposed to do. He never seems a little lost or anything at all. And I know it's only been a couple practices, but I don't expect that to slow up. I wrote about this during the week about how the first team offense is no longer going to be a pushover against the first team defense, which is what it's been my entire time covering this team. But the, this offense is going to win a lot of practices over the off season, and I think it's going to translate onto the field. He'll have you know rough matches here and there, of course, but he's going to have a really good season and and make pretty much everyone a believer out of him. I know it's pads, and like you said, it's just training camp, or in this case, OTAs. But do you just get the sense that Donald's operating on a whole other level than Jets fans are used to seeing from a quarterback? Yeah, it's 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 really. I, I've, I've joked about this in the past because I, well, I always used to make jokes about I wish there was some type of, uh, you know, a, 
a transfer program for beat reporters. Like, <laughs> uh, or, you know, like in the high school, you'd have, uh, have an exchange a student program. I wish there was like an exchange beat writer program and I could be, uh, trade spots with a Packers beat writer for a week or two. And then I could go watch Aaron Rodgers and see how he runs practices and everything. And I was, you know, when, when Gino came, Gino's first year, I was like, oh my God, this is what a real quarterback looks like just from physical ability, just the way he was able to throw the ball that, you know, I, I had Sanchez and uh, Mark Brunel is, is who I'm watching beforehand. And it's like, oh my God, this, but then obviously we know Gino wasn't that guy. Uh, Donald is a mixture of that, but also I'm watching him and I'm just like, yet he knows exactly what he's doing now and it just stands out so much there was just always so many hiccups here and there little small things that would derail and also now the stuff with at this these practices are at a much higher tempo their gase is using a 40 second clock between each play the walkie talkie to get it in so it, it's going and it's running smooth. He is running it smooth. With all the other quarterbacks I've seen, there was never a smooth, a completely smooth practices. There's always had to stop and whatever. And this, and, no, he he has it all under control. And is that he's he's gonna have his his mistakes. He's gonna throw interceptions, and he's still gonna do stuff like that. But he uh, is operating in something a level that. I've never seen a Jets quarterback operate a practice. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, tune in, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question comes in from Michael Kecka. He says, question fellas, if a tree falls in the forest and Teddy Bridgewater isn't there to hear it, did that tree actually fall? I'm going to say no. If Teddy Bridgewater's not there, it's not official. I mean, I have to ask Teddy what, what Teddy thinks about this, but if, if Teddy, yeah, it's not official unless Teddy says it's official. Terry Fontenot is coming in here for an interview. He's with the Saints. I think that while he's here, part of his interview question should be about whether or not Teddy Bridgewater would consider that a fallen tree. And I think that he should be out of the running if he doesn't go back to New Orleans, corner Teddy Bridgewater, ask him that question, and then report back to Christopher Johnson. Absolutely, 100%. He's treated like the players get at the combine where you just throw random questions at the guys and if he doesn't have the right answer for that next question comes in from Friar Tuck he says I keep hearing everybody describing Dow Loggins as a lackey or a toady do we have any proof that this is actually true or are people just assuming this because he's gone a lot of places with Adam Gase I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's gone a lot of places with Adam Gase but Nobody seems to really know what he does because it's Gase's offense. Gase calls the plays. Seems like he's just kind of taking up space around league circles. The reputation of Loggins as that he's basically a mercy hire and a friend of Gase. So that's where I think a lot of this comes from. Yeah, listen, none of us know. Like he could, he could be sitting there pushing back on Adam and disagreeing, and they could have a back and forth and pull and uh, push and pull together. 
th- that's obviously something that could be. But you hit the nail on the head there. The whole reason for this is because Adam Gase is the offensive coordinator. It'd be one thing if Adam Gase was, you know, more of a traditional head coach and Dow Loggins was an actual coordinator actually calling the plays and he kept following him. Then that, that would be understandable, especially if they had a a good offense uh, during those times. But he, uh, no one, like you said, no one knows what he does. Adam Gase runs the entire offense, so I'm sure he helps working with film and drawing up game plans and stuff. But of course, the the assumption is going to be that he's just a yes man with Adam Gase, or or he's you know a good friend for however many years, or he knows where the bodies are buried, type of thing. That that stuff's gonna come when you follow a, a coach who is also a defensive co- or also also just a coordinator and does all the play calling that you're going to get that there's no way to avoid that whether it's true or not next question comes in from chris nimbly i know that guy he says what the heck is wrong with you people how did only nine percent of you vote for justified <laughs> it's a fair question i will i make make sense so I put out a poll on Twitter, and we got 750 votes, so it's a pretty good cross-section. And I asked, which of the following FX shows was the best? Of course, certain people, like Twitter legend Paulie Brzez, had to be a wise guy and throw in a show like The League. There's a reason I didn't throw that one in there. It's because I was asking about dramas. The League was a comedy. Should have made that clear, but I think if you look at the four shows that I put in there, you should have figured it out. So here's how the breakdown was. I said, Sons of Anarchy justified The Shield and The Americans. 52% said Sons of Anarchy, 22% The Americans, 17% The Shield, and only 9% Justified. I have to admit, Sons of Anarchy is the only show of the four that I never actually watched. However, it seems kind of crazy to me that we get that big of a share of the vote, especially when the three shows that I did watch, The Shield, Justified, and The Americans, were all excellent. I can't believe Justified couldn't even crack double digits. It's very strange to me. As far as how I would have ranked this, man, this is a tough one. I guess I would go Justified, The Shield, The Americans. I can't rank Sons of Anarchy because I never watched it, but all three of those shows were really good and certainly deserved a higher percentage than what they got. Yeah, first I'm gonna, let me address Pauly because uh, the league is great, but I have this rule when discussing TV shows. Comedies and dramas have to be completely separate. Mm-hmm. If, if you just say TV show to me, I'm thinking hour-long dramas. I'm not thinking sitcoms. You have to say sitcoms because that, that, that they have to be judged completely separately. Now, for me, this, this is simple, and obviously my uh, my question gave away my, my opinion there. Justified is easily number one there. I totally understand why Sunday Anarchy won that poll. It, it's one of those things, I'm looking at it, and I was like, what? I'm a little disappointed, but I shouldn't be surprised at all. Sons of Anarchy is a really fun show. There's a lot of violence and gore and and sex stuff it's it is a really fun show it when i tried to outdo itself so much so many twists and turns and they got too far ahead of them couldn't pull it back at the end and uh if for the people who have seen the show the op scene after after that scene the show started to slip and go down there but that scene is so great and the first couple of seasons of that show is really good i like both the shield and the americans i never i didn't finish either of those 
Uh, it's not really uh, a slight on either of those shows as much as The Shield. I just wasn't watching live TV as much at that time, and then I never got back around to it. And The Americans was a little different. But as far as if I'm judging the shows, I'm going Justified number one easily. I'm going uh, Americans two, Shield three, and Sons of Anarchy four. And I, being a writer, I put most of my emphasis on the show on how good the writing is of a show. And that's, that's why my order goes that way, because the writing definitely suffered greatly in Sons of Anarchy, even though it might be the most fun show out of all of them, except for Justified, because Justified's the best. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question along the same lines comes in from Anthony Siglatano. He says, question, what are the many meanings of justified in the show justified? Obviously, a justified shooting, as in episode one. Self-justifications, perhaps Boyd Crowder, justified by grace and not works, on and on. This is an excellent question, and honestly, this is one that I would love to talk to Graham Yost about. If I could only ask him one question, this would be at the top of my list, because I'd love to hear what he has to say about why the show was called Justified and the many different uses of the term in terms of how they relate to the plot lines and the characters. It's obviously based on the writings of Elmore Leonard, but it's a very clever word to use as the title. And like you said, a lot of different meanings. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that justified shooting is probably the one that we would all think of because that's what Raylan tends to lean on when he does something bad. Oh, well, it was justified. But there are a lot of characters in the show that would try to justify their seemingly bad behavior, Boyd Crowder, of course, being among them. So I think that that's a really interesting question, and that's where I would fall on that. I think that the the first and main usage of it is railing in the justified shootings or justifying what he does, but I think it applies to a lot of the other characters too. Yeah, the the first season as the show starts out, it's definitely about just the justified shooting. Yeah, obviously you have the the whole thing in Miami, then he comes back to Kentucky and he gets into another couple. So the first season they bring that back, talking so much about the shooting was it justified, this is justified, all that stuff. And it's all focused just on that. But then as the seasons progress, it gets deeper and deeper. And you see each person doing stuff and justifying their own actions and their own reasons for why they're doing these terrible things. And it's definitely not just Boyd. It's Raylan. Raylan justifies stuff to himself all the time throughout. Uh, his Winona does it. Ava does it. Everybody else does it. Every single character on that show, some way or another, has you know, this justification for why they do. And also the viewers sit there and they justify stuff to why they want to root for who they want to root for. You, you excuse certain behaviors from certain the characters you like more and you don't for the ones you don't like less. I mean, as bad as Boyd Crowder is, as bad of a person as that character is, it's really hard not to root for him a lot of times too. So you do your own justification, justification in your head there so you can continue to root for him and, and Raylan as well. I got to say, Chris, in all the mailbag questions that we've answered, we've had a lot of awesome questions. That might be one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I also take talking about stuff like this more seriously than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> as you said, it's nice to take a little bit of a break from football for a couple of minutes on Twitter to talk about TV. I did say that if people stop fighting about stuff like football and baseball and obviously way more serious things than that and spent more time on Twitter talking about TV, movies, and music, probably be a lot more enjoyable app overall. Yeah, I was talking with somebody earlier. I saw a, a uh, somebody tweeted out a, a 
uh, clip of uh, oh, who, who was the guy's name from The Simpsons, uh, Fat Tony, the Bob Doss character, and he was rapping along to a, a Biggie song, and it was just hilarious the way that they he did it, and I was just like. I was sentences. I was just like, I wish Twitter was nothing but this. If it was just stuff like this, I would love Twitter so much more because that's what I love about Twitter is the jokes and that stuff. But everything else gets in the way. Chris, before we run, I just wanted to say a little something because this weekend marks the two-year anniversary of the Play Like a Jet podcast coming to life. The idea for it first started back in 2017. I think it was around April or May. I went to Joe Capros with the idea. I was thinking about it because there's a company called Kayfabe Commentaries, and what they used to do is they would take ex-wrestlers, have them sit and tell the story of a certain year from a wrestling promotion from their point of view. So they would hit all the major points from that year, and that wrestler would share his memories. And I thought that would be really cool to do for football. Nobody's really doing that. Imagine having some star football player or a football player who was there at the time who could sit there and take you through all the big moments moments of a season or even take you through all the moments of his career take you through the play-by-play of a game anything like that it was something that no one else is doing and i thought it'd be a lot of fun so i asked joe caparoso who had been writing for for a little bit about it he was aware of my radio background and he said yeah go for it i'll help promote it and everything so talked to my buddy big john we started the show Nobody had any clue who I was or who John was or anything. No one had any idea what the show was supposed to be. We knew we were launching it June 2nd, and so I had to start lining up guests. And at the time, I didn't have anybody to help me. Alan Schechter wasn't helping me out yet, so it was really just me and John. And John was working so many hours at his job that I had to really take the reins myself. And it was hard because I had to seek these people out, really get aggressive, try to sell them on coming to the show, even though no one had any idea what the show was. It's not like I had an established following. It's not like we had any numbers or past guests to point to. So I have to first thank Rob Carpenter, who was the very first guest on the show. We talked about the 1992 season, which is kind of a weird season to start the show on since 1992 wasn't really that good of a year for the Jets, but I thought it was kind of timely because you had the connection between Christian Hackenberg, who people were thinking might be the young quarterback that would get in and get a shot, as opposed to Browning Nagel, who that happened for in 1992. Of course, wasn't really all that comparable because at least Browning Nagel got to play and Christian Hackenberg didn't, but so be it. Then we kept going on, and I have to say, Kerry Rhodes opened up a lot of doors for me when he agreed to come on the show and talk about the Brett Favre year 2008, because that was a big name that I could then go to other guests with and say, hey, Kerry Rhodes was on the show, and then Kerry even was nice enough to help recommend me to other friends of his. Justin Miller came on the show because of a recommendation from Kerry, so he was super nice and was great in the very beginning in helping us out, so so much thanks to guys like Kerry Rhodes who came on when nobody knew who the heck I was. I don't know if I had even a hundred followers at the point when Kerry Rhodes agreed to come on the show. Obviously, a huge thank you to Joe Caparoso for giving me the platform in the first place, helping to promote the show, helping to promote what I was doing, and continuing to do that. I have to say that Joe is somebody who has built himself a hell of a platform at TOJ. He has every right to put on and not put on whoever he wants. He's never once, not once, told me 
to do anything. He never told me who I couldn't have on, who I should have on, nothing. Gave me free reign, continues to do so. So again, thank you to Joe for that, and thank you so much for his support. And all the other guests and supporters throughout these two years, Chris, you're one of them, by the way. You coming on all the time with me, it's been great. You and Daryl Slater specifically. And listen, Daryl is the reason that this ended up becoming a daily podcast, and you're part of the reason why it continues to be one. Because at first, this was a weekly podcast, and then I started doing those post-game podcasts, and in the off-season, I did some of those roundtables for fun. I did special series like the quarterback series, but when Daryl agreed to do the daily training camp reports, which nobody else was doing at the time, that was what really catapulted this into a daily show because I realized that there were people that would be willing to listen every day if we put out interesting, different content about this team on a daily basis, and that really started with those training camp reports, so I'm really glad that Daryl was willing to do them, and Chris... I'm grateful to you for coming on and doing so many of these as well, especially in the off season where we can answer questions. We can go through all the news. We obviously did so much when it came to free agency and the draft and all this craziness with Mac and Gase. So before I continue, thank you so much for becoming a big part of this podcast. You're absolutely welcome. I enjoy it. And congratulations. Big, big thing. Two years, big number. I just hope that we keep pushing it forward because it's grown to a point where I never thought it would get to. And listen, it's not to say it's so big or anything like that. And I think we can still do more, especially if the Jets are good. Fingers crossed. I'm thinking that we can add more. But there's other people, too, that really helped along. Dalvin Asario, when we were first getting started, he was the senior writer over at TOJ. He was great in terms of constantly retweeting and promoting awareness. All the other guys at TOJ, I don't want to name everybody by name because I know I'm going to forget somebody. And then they're all going to get pissed at me but you guys know i love all of you you guys have been big help not only coming on the podcast promoting the podcast helping out with all of that so thank you so much alan Schechter, obviously thank you so much there's no way that i would be able to do half the stuff that i do with this show and john as well if you didn't help out so thank you so much for agreeing to help out with all of the research and so many other things including guest bookings all the people that have appeared on the show, a huge thank you. There's so many contacts that I have now with various different teams. As far as look at what happened with this GM search, as soon as it went down, I knew exactly who to go to to learn about some of these general manager candidates. It's been awesome having them. Matt Stipulkowski has been a great help coming on whenever Daryl's on the road or something like that. And he's an up-and-comer, so anybody that's not following him or reading his work at NJ.com, you should do that. Thanks, of course, to Big John, who started the show with me. And most of all, above all else, I have to thank every single person who takes the time to listen to this show. It means so much to me. I'm somebody that was a radio guy for a long time. Never thought I would do anything like this again. People had asked me if I wanted to do it. Friends of mine had asked about starting a podcast. I never really gave it a thought until this idea about the Jets History Podcast came into my head. And then the subsequent ideas for other stuff for daily podcasts. It's great that I get an opportunity to use my radio background now to do something I really enjoy and something where I can control the content and do whatever I want. And the only reason that I can really continue to do it with the force that I'm doing it is because of your support. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. And I promise that I'm going to continue to give you daily shows that I hope are going to live up to the standard that we've set and that you've become accustomed to. And I hope that I'll even eclipse it. 
So stick with me. The best is yet to come. Year three is going to be awesome, especially since I really expect the Jets to be in the playoff race this year, which is something that we didn't even come close to seeing the first two years that I was doing this podcast. So again, thank you to everybody who's played such a big role in this podcast. If I left your name out, please understand that I absolutely am grateful to you. I just have so many people to thank that I don't want anybody getting mad at me for leaving them out by accident, although I will throw this in real quick because I know that he's going to arrest me if I don't. Of course, Joe Blewett, thank you for all the stuff that we've done together, even the late-night chats that have inspired a bunch of different show ideas. Michael Nania for your contribution with all the great stuff with Chronicles of Nania and, of course, all the statistical stuff. And Brian Bassett for coming out of retirement and doing a show here on Play Like a Jet. I had been on him forever to come out of retirement, and he finally agreed to do it. And his show has been great with Travis Melton and Josh Conrad. So looking forward to them coming back. And last but not least, because, again, I know that he's going to kill me if I don't mention him, Twitter legend Paulie Brzez. Paulie, I love you, buddy. It's funny because I haven't known you that long, but I feel like I've known you forever. So one of the great things about Twitter and social media is that you can make great friendships like Chris and I have developed, like I've developed with Paulie and so many others. So thank you so much, guys. All of you, I really appreciate it. Of course, my family for putting up with this nonsense, me doing recordings with Chris at 2 o'clock in the morning after the draft wraps up. Believe me, that takes a lot of patience and somebody that really believes in your vision and is happy to see you using your skill set to do something you really enjoy. So I can't say enough to thank my beautiful, beautiful girlfriend who is crazy enough to put up with me. So again, thanks to everybody. And year three, I'm hoping, is going to be even bigger than the first two years. Chris, that'll wrap up part one of the mailbag and my rambling about how thankful I am for everybody supporting the show. I hope they will continue to support the show tomorrow when we get into part two of the mailbag. However, in the meantime, I'd like them to support you because you've been such a huge part of this show. And they can do that by following you on Twitter and going to your website. So what do you got cooking over there? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. And check out our work at JetsInsider.com. And, you know, this week we got a, a big week coming up, three straight days, the mandatory mini uh, mini camp. Le'Veon Bell will be there. It is no longer voluntary. So, obviously, the, the big news that first day will be Le'Veon Bell, but it will get a little bit better, you know, look at the team over those next three days. So, I'll have something coming leading up to those days, a, a little preview of what to look for, and then we'll really break down and talk about what happened those three days at camp and uh, give you all the observations of everything that happened there and everything that the players said and everything. Go ahead and go to JetsInsider.com and read the very big deal work of Mr. Chris Nimbley. Follow him on Twitter at CNimbley. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. Let's turn on the Jets digital and turn on the Jets.com.